What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Joining me today is Peter Laughter from the Spartoy Group. Peter is joining us to discuss radical empathy, which he covered in his TEDx talk. Peter, welcome to the show. Hey, Brendan. Really, really excited to be here. Yeah, I know. I'm really excited for this one, too. And before we started recording, you were actually telling me a little story from this morning about something with your wife. And I thought that'd be a great way to kick off this episode and as we get into empathy and what that means. Yeah, I... Uh, um you know, so I have a 16-year-old daughter, and uh, uh, m- with with a kid, uh, mornings can be challenging. And yeah. My I asked my wife to walk our dog for me because I was working out and needed to finish that, and I'm moving my office today, so a little, a lot of crazy stuff going on. And she has parent-teacher conferences. Uh, she's a teacher, yeah. and that stresses her the heck out like it really 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 messes just a day long of back-to-back adult conversations it's just not what she she went into teaching to do she went into teaching to be with teachers and so (laughs) then and she was in preschool so she's got a couple kids who are developing some things that need to be addressed so she needs to have some tough conversations so her stress level is really high right and so she went uh she had a uh she just had a little tantrum she realized she was running late and just flipped out and i just totally reacted to, you know, and I got angry at her for flipping out, like, just, you know, and we went back and forth. And it was this moment where we both realized, oh, we're both stressed out and we are reacting not to what we've said or done, that this this whole spip is, is nothing to do with us. This is all our stress talking through us. Right. And it was this moment of realization that we were able to come back to the sense of relation that we had really, really quickly, mm-hmm. you know, where... Without, I think, the concepts of radical empathy, it would have ruined my day. You know, just like, oh, Daisy yelling at me. Blah, blah. Yeah, but, but no, it was this moment where we were able to both turn and say, I'm stressed. You're stressed. This is a stress talking. Let's just, let's just walk away from that and yeah. back to where we belong to be, where what, we're supposed to be. What was the um, d- defining moment? Like, you guys maybe were bickering back and forth, saying certain things. Like, when did you hit that consciousness level or her first it was it was so um she went into this little thing about having to walk the dog and i'm working out and 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 i just shot back well if you don't want to walk the dog just say it i'll take care of it like don't, you know like and we, we started like going out and then it was this moment where we both looked at each other and realized we don't need to do this yeah and it was just this we, we could both we looked at each other's eyes and we just saw like oh this is this is not us yeah. Hmm. And I said, I'm so sorry. I'm stressed out. And she said the same thing. And and we had our mornings and it was great. And who yeah. locked the dog? She did. <laughs> I was very grateful. There you go. Yeah. Um, so we'll get into, I want to hear your definition of empathy and, and all these things, but 
my first question, just kind of a, a side question, is um, for listeners out there who are looking for or who are dating, looking for um, maybe even a business partner or certainly a romantic partner, um, do you feel like having radical empathy yourself is enough to carry the relationship or how important is it to also make sure your partner has that? So the concept of radical empathy is a really simple one. It is that as humans, we 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 there's a lot of things coming at us at every moment. Yeah. And so when we react badly, it is a it's a symptom of something else going on. You know, that our that our natural state is one of relation and connection. Yeah. And and recognizing that anything outside of that is symptomatic of something else going on. So if you and I are, you know, we're 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 brothers, we're we're connected, we're we're business partners, and you come in and you flip out over something, I recognize if I can recognize in that moment, hey, this is not Brendan. Brendan is not the type to go off the handle over walking the dog or whatever it may be that you're flipping out at. That's just the trigger. It's just yeah, and you're flipping out as a symptom of something much larger going on. And if, if, if I can zero in on that in that moment, yeah, I can interact with you in a very different way. But without that understanding, you flip out and I get offended. I make that up. I think, oh, Brendan, you know, he, you know, all the things that we make up in our heads about someone interacting bad with it's because, you know, and brings up my insecurities or what have you. I can let all of that go. And I could say, Brendan, what's going on? Are you okay? It's not like you to speak to me like that. What's happening? Now, you might be stuck in whatever you're stuck into, but I don't need to go along for the ride. Mm. And that's a really, really powerful tool. Um, but what that requires of me is that I am able to take your upset, your tantrum, your bad reaction, and let it wash over me. Yeah. And guess what? I can't always do that. Yeah. So I think... When you say, is it important for someone to have radical empathy? Well, nobody has radical empathy all the time. But if we can do it sometime, it makes a difference. So I think it's an understanding that is really helpful, you know, that we need to allow for each other's humanity. Right. And and the fact that you're in a bad mood most of the time, it has nothing to do with me. And even if the issue that you are flipping out about is um, is is real, right? If I do something, you know, you know, that, you know, that is a trigger for you. Uh, yeah, I, I did that. But your reaction, you know, that's about something else. Right. And so we can do this. And, and, and for ourselves, it's also really valuable to know, like, sometimes I have bad reactions. Right. Yeah. You know, and to be able to clean those reactions up and have the, the, the you're empathetic for yourself is, to be empathetic for yourself, to remember that you are, too are human and just just react to things, it, it allows me to clean it up in a way. Yeah, and that's, I, that's yeah. important to have that forgiveness towards yourself also. Critical. Right. Yeah, because we just, you know, it is inhuman to think that we are going to be, you know, just, just this, you know, I am not a, a, a Buddhist monk, right? I'm not, right. I, don't, I don't have an ocean's worth of, of, of tolerance. You right. know, it's limited. And it's also depending on what I'm going through. And just being able to recognize that is, is really critical. Yeah. So thank you for the definition of radical empathy. And then the question I was asking was kind of, at, obviously, we want to develop more empathy and become mm -hmm. radically empathetic ourselves. And as we look to partner selection or business partner selection, 
is it something that you think is critical when you're teaming up with someone else or do you feel like built con- cultivating your own radical empathy is enough and maybe even that rubs off on them so uh it is uh interesting that you say that um i'm thinking about so i have a uh, as i mentioned i have a 16 year old daughter right and teenagers right they don't have that part of the brain that says hey maybe saying this isn't such a good idea like that doesn't work <laughs> yet yeah. Uh, yeah it's it's all impulse and so my daughter all the time says stuff that drives me crazy. Like she'll she'll just and and as a teenager, she's self-conscious. So so there's a disproportionate amount of the things that I say that she interprets as criticism. Mm. Right. So just the other day, uh, so my daughter doesn't wear feminine clothing, but on the weekends sometimes she does, and. Uh, she got this crazy skirt and it's dinosaurs on it and she's a punk and it I think she looked great in it. Yeah. And so she's wearing it on a Sunday. And I said, that's a really great outfit. Would you ever consider wearing that to school? And what she heard was, why don't you wear that dress to school? Yeah. And so she came at me swinging, you know, because she doesn't feel comfortable being around her friends in feminine clothing because it's not what she's done. They know her in a particular way. And, mm. you know, she, being a teenager, is really concerned about what other people think about her. And she viewed it as a command. You should do this rather than, you know, would you, would you, would you do that? I'm just curious. Yeah. And so she came at me swinging. And what was she saying to you? I can't remember. Something like, like, like in a in a really nasty way, like I don't feel comfortable with that, and you know, blah, 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 like like yeah. like I was telling her to. Yeah. And I, in that moment, I I was, I was feeling good, right? And I'm so excuse me, I think you heard something different from what I said and intended to say, and I was able to solve that issue, but if I was feeling crappy, I would have come right back at her. Right. Yeah. If I had stuff going on, if I was stressed out, which I frequently am, I would have come right out on that. So I think the benefit of of at least one person in the relationship is is there's if I can be empathetic, radically empathetic, sixty percent of the time, that is sixty percent less arguments that I'm having with my daughter. Right. So because that's valuable. She, she wasn't radically empathetic, which and, is understandable. And she can't be. Yeah. She exactly. can't be. Yeah. Yeah. She can be empathetic after the fact, but in the moment. She doesn't have that. She's just reacting, right? She right. doesn't have that ability to say, oh, dad's going through something. Or like, of course my dad would never tell me what to wear. <laughs> right. And he, I wouldn't, you know. Sure. Um, but, I, but the point is she she wasn't radically that you were, and that seemed to diffuse the situation. Now, I would just add that we can't, like you said, we can't always be no. radically So having a partner who can do that too would be helpful. Right. If you have, you know, if, if my can be radically uh, empathetic 40% of the time and my partner can be radically empathetic 40% of the time, we're doing really well. Good shape. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing really well. Okay. Yeah. So, so let me ask you a question. Um, if radical empathy is a great way to diffuse these types of situations and conflict, which I agree, uh, you mentioned that w- the more stress we carry, the harder it is to be empathetic like that. Mm-hmm. So what strategies do you have to de-stress and how can people go from intellectually understanding what it means to be empathetic to actually setting themselves up for success in their daily life? Okay. So for me, and it's really interesting. I, um, so I suffer from seasonal depression. So this is the beginning of a rough time for me. This is where it starts getting dark. I start, yeah. You know, 
And it was fascinating, my discovery of this. It happened probably about 10 years ago. So my wife also gets seasonally depressed. And she said to me, you ever notice that around February we start talking about divorce almost every year? And I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. And yeah. uh, she realized that she had seasonal depression. And so she started treating it with light therapy yeah. and a number of different things. And it was incredibly effective. But what I learned after that is like, oh, I thought we were, we were fighting yeah, every February viciously because my wife had seasonal depression. Then I realized, no, no, me too. Yeah, and I've been on this journey to try and figure that out. And I realized that last year, like, oh, it's taken me this long, but I've figured this out. And for me, I have uh, – and I'm not a disciplined person or wasn't a disciplined person, but I've had to become one in order to manage that. So meditating every day is a must. Like I yeah. cannot do that. Exercising every day is a must. Yeah. And I was definitely not the type to exercise every day. I exercise when I – when I absolutely had to, mm. but I really hated it. But now I have to do it every day. Right. And uh, I do, I also do light therapy every day. And so those things are, particularly in wintertime, are things that I can uh, be helpful for. But I recognize that if I miss a couple days on those things, life gets really bad quickly mm. for me. So I think those are things, but also being cognizant of where you are. I'm, you know, have a really, really big deadline by the end of January. Mm -hmm. And it's 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 how I've been interacting with it has been really really stressful. My partner and I realized like oh we're not having fun with this deadline, like we yeah. got to turn that around. So I think just really being cognizant of what's going on with you and and what are the things that are going to keep you as calm as possible. But the other part of it is really being interested in other people's humanity. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the the biggest one. And I've been thinking about the, this like how do you cultivate empathy? And it's really about cultivating curiosity. Mm. You know, it's good. Because in the moment, right, when I'm stressed out and somebody's somebody's coming at me, I don't I don't have that ability. Yeah, you know, but if I could say, what's going on with this person, then I've got an opening for myself in order to, you know, to rather than just react, I can wonder. Yeah, I feel, I feel like it's very common for us to forget that the other 8 billion people on this planet are going through their own situation in their own life, job, relationships, just the way we are. Yeah. And we forget to put – because I think empathy is a lot about putting yourself in the other person's shoes. And when and, – and we've all also had like horrible people that we've had to deal with. Yeah. You know, and um, I uh, – we had a, 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 a client who was just – it was just awful to deal with, and and we're blessed. We get to work with like amazing clients, and this is one guy who was just a jerk, and we could have been really offended by the way he was speaking to us, mm -hmm. but really it was like, man, I am so glad I don't have to live that life, and I don't know what he's going through, but he's clearly suffering. Yeah, he is clearly suffering. The fact that he feels the need to exert his power in every situation. That he's in, that's unfortunate. Yeah, that's a really good example because we have a client, and um, she would write these frantic emails, and I would get them, and I would start to feel so much stress and overwhelm, and then I would check in with myself and remind myself that I'm okay. My, yep. you know, it's like we're not under attack the way mm -hmm. our body thinks we are. And then step two is what you said to think about her life, her financial situation, her emotions. Uh, I came to realize she had a lot of anxiety. 
and then to empathize with that. Yeah, yeah, you know? and 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 her emergency is not not your emergency. Yeah. But but that feeling of stress is so infectious, and it's funny. I just read um, this guy uh, Lucas Root, who I know, um, and a. Uh, he was one of our consultants for a while and now has an independent consultancy, but he talks about stress a lot. And he pointed out that the way our bodies are stress is a flight or fight you know, reaction. Yeah. So we are trained to run away from saber tooth tigers. Mm-hmm. And so when we're worried about a deadline, it's, it's the same thing. Our bodies are interacting with it as it's a saber-toothed tiger that's coming after us. Yeah. Yeah. And and so that I thought was fascinating, right? Yeah. Because yeah, I might see my wife's stress as so she's got to spend the day talking to people. Well, that's what I do for a living. It's not a big deal. But for her, she's going into the lion's den. Right. Like, like that's that's her reality. Yeah. You know, on this day, you know, is that she is going into the lion's den, and that's that's a totally different way of thinking about it. It's it's uh, yeah, and so recognizing. Also, I think putting things in a context you know, mm-hmm. is, is also really important. Yeah. And she's not going in the lion's den. Yeah. She's going to talk to some people. Yeah. yeah. I've got a big deadline that is really, really important for the life of my company. And I'll make it or I won't. But either way, the lion will not eat me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So uh, for the listeners, we'd love to get into another concrete example, either the one from your TED Talk that you shared or just in general of another example of you or someone close to you expressing this radical empathy and how it played out so we can really get a feel for how the listeners can start doing this in their life. Uh, cool. Yeah. Why don't we talk about how I came to the concept? Yeah. And then uh, you know, and how I realized it was. Yeah, that was kind of the example a... I was thinking of. So my mom has a or had, she passed away. Is had a condition called borderline personality disorder, mm-hmm. and it is a it's a gnarly mental illness. It's a it's a rough one. Yeah, uh, because the concept of it is that the people who have borderline personality disorder, either because of a traumatic event or a, a, a misplaced belief, have this understanding that they are fundamentally broken. That there is something deeply wrong with them, and there's great shame around that. And yeah. so their life is is designed around protecting that part of them that's broken and keeping people away from it and keeping people from knowing it. Yeah. So when people get close to that, it is it they people with borderline lash out viciously and they have a lifetime of of knowing how to lash out. So people with borderline are generally geniuses at causing emotional pain with others. Mm. Um, and I grew up with this behavior. Now, my my mom is an amazing woman, was an amazing woman, really, really incredible, had an amazing career, raised me by herself. The things that she accomplished in her life, despite having this, this, this disability, this weight that she had to carry on, are amazing. But uh, my life with her was punctuated with these periods of abject terror where she would just react so horribly you know that it was but but that was normal and so I never questioned the fact that my mom there's something wrong with my mom that was just normal for me and I remember she said something to me once that was just so painful and I ended up speaking about this thing 
that I had never talked about to one of my mentors, Alice. And Alice is a uh, professor of clinical psychology. And she asked me some Can questions. Can you share what your mom said? Um, so I'm, I, I mentioned to you I'm a Quaker. And I was taking this uh, two-year course. It was three week, four weeks out of the year where I'd fly to North Carolina to, to learn about Quaker uh, ministry and leadership. And um, it was a transformational program. Of, of mine and I really was was going I was realizing all these things about myself and my connection to spirit and uh, it, I felt stronger than I ever had and my mom felt neglected about something and so she said well clearly this course you're taking isn't working because you don't understand me mm. and it just hit me in the right moment it was just devastating it was just that you know I was I was having all this growth and moving forward, and my my mom was just like, "Nope, not working." And it just it was it, for whatever reason it was just it got me at the w moment, and so I uh, spoke to Alice about this, and Alice said, "This is interesting," and asked me some questions, and kept asking me some questions, and said, "You should here's some articles, here's a book you should read," and I read it, and I was like, "Oh my God, I'm reading this this author of of these articles on this book." has been watching my relationship with my mother all these years. Like it just became clear yeah. that she had been. And on the flip side of that realization, I realized, oh, when my mom is inappropriate with me, it's the sickness talking. When she attacks me, it has nothing to do with it. It's that she feels threatened, either you know that I've said something and she's misinterpreted it or what have you. But she feels threatened, so she acts inappropriately to me. So it doesn't mean that I was no longer affected by it, but I no longer felt the need to engage with her when she did that. Yeah. So she, you know, uh, she would she would lash out, and I would just say, "Hey, what's going on here? Why are you speaking to me? What's wrong?" And over time, I was able to faster and faster to get to really what the issue was that was dealing that she was dealing with, and sidestep it. And so things that would take us days of fighting were handled in minutes and it was it was it was just transfer and I it's like I got my my mom back you know it was wow. we started to have this relationship and I'm so grateful that that came you know about five years before she passed away because it was would have been very likely that we would have in that period of time had some kind of rift that would have kept us from being together but this understanding you know she actually started to mellow toward me she the attacks came less frequently because they weren't producing what they were they were they were supposed to do and so I had this great relationship with my mom. And then one night, uh, my daughter, I don't know how old she was, but she was young, but she had a sleepover. And, you know, when you're parents of a young child, there's not a lot of dating. There's not a lot of romance that happens. But sleepovers, man, those are – that's your time. Yeah. And uh, we were going to take this uh, this romantic bath. We, you know, candlelit bath. We were really excited. And during that bath, I said something insensitive or – you know, interpreted as a criticism to my wife. What did you say? I have no idea. I don't no remember. It was a long time ago. But I do remember the fight. Yeah. So she came at me and I came at her and we're in the bath, you know, like expecting to have this romantic time. And we just have this brutal fight. And when it was, when we worked through it, it she said, well, you said this and I was feeling self-conscious. And I realized, oh my goodness, this whole thing that I figured out with my mom works with everybody. Yeah. And it's like, Mom, of course my wife isn't going to speak to me in the way that she did if she's feeling good about herself. This is, a, this is a symptom. And then I realized, wait a second. We as human beings 
are all deeply connected to one each other. Like that is our natural state, right? Mm -hmm. Is to be connected to one another. Yeah. And if someone shows behavior that is contrary to that, it, it, it is a symptom of something else. It is a, it is a sign that something has gone wrong. Mm -hmm. So if it is a symptom and our natural, uh, natural way of being is being related and connected to one another, then we actually don't need to pay attention to those symptoms. We can actually make choices. And if we look at our, our, our disagreements or our, our fights, so often are they just reactions to things in the moment when we look back and say, well, I didn't need to interact with that person this way. You know, but they said this and I reacted. Yeah. And, and so when we come at it from a place of, oh, I am interacting with someone who is suffering – I can make different choices. And it doesn't mean, and I want to be really clear, it's not about accepting people's bad behavior, right? Yeah. But if we buy into their, if we react to their bad behavior, we lose our ability to make decisions. We're just reacting, right? It also enables it more because I agree. Yeah. It is important it to, to set yeah. boundaries. For example, if your mom is shaming you or something, but at the same time, radical empathy actually diffuses it very quickly and you're not tolerating it because it can go away quicker too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And being able to say like, "Hey, I I recognize that you're upset." Yeah. And I got that, but you cannot speak to me this way. Right. Rather than, "How dare you speak to me this?" Yeah. yeah which yeah. yeah, which is just it's going to bring it up a notch, and it's and and it's going to get my, yeah. you know, you know, my uh, my fear you know up and my anger up, and mm -hmm. she's going to react to that, and we just have this escalation until right. things blow up. But right. it's, it's, hey, I'm putting a stop here. Can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I find it really interesting to get in touch with the stories that we tell ourselves when these things happen. So, for example, in relationships, it's common, um, you know, let's say you said something to your wife. The story she could be making up in her head is that, oh, he doesn't desire me. Like if you make a comment about exactly. what she's wearing or your attraction to her. Oh, and then ultimately it's he's going to leave me. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. And so it's interesting to – if you can know what their story is going to be and also to know what your story is when someone's coming at you. Like if your mom's coming at you, oh, my, she, my mom doesn't accept me. I'm not good enough. My mom will abandon me. And to know that that's the story and to know that that's false is tremendous. And it, it's interesting because growing up as in a uh, – with a single mom, it was just me and my mom always – like uh, with this really, really intense relationship. And over the years, I became my mom's conduit to the outside world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that relationship was really, really critical to both of us. And so recognize when you're right. So, so she would flip out for whatever she would make up, usually something that she misunderstood or, uh, you know, or magnified because it was touching on something that was her insecurities. But it, you're right, it would totally bring up my own. About mm -hmm. you know all of that, my you know my connection to my mom was in you know, in endangered, or mm -hmm. all uh, you know I'm you know and my my conversation about myself is generally which was really helpful in the beginning of my career that I'm not good enough. So I was my ambition was fueled by this just desire to become good enough, mm -hmm. you know. But you know knowing that like oh that's this is my conversation about myself, yeah you know, that so often triggered by certain situations when I'm getting upset. It's it's. No, it's just because of this false conversation. So it 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 opens up this this area, and I think uh, and and having those realizations, I think that thing about it, my my teenage daughter when she you know turned twelve, she started just snapping at this things that made no sense. Like, why are you 
being so nasty. Yeah. And I realized, oh, she interprets everything I say as criticism. Everything I say is criticism. That moment, like, oh, that's a really awesome dress. Would you feel comfortable wearing it in school? Just curious. She hears it as, why don't you wear dresses at school? Right. Like, like I don't care what you wear to school. Yeah, no, no, not at all. But that's what she heard. And being able to realize that, like, hmm, this is interesting. Okay. I don't need to react to this. There's nothing to do with me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I can I can sidestep it and address what, what it is that she thinks she heard and, and be able to restate what, what it is that I was saying in a way that she can hear it. Yeah, that's great. That so uh, let's talk about business a little bit. Yeah. Uh, a lot of my of the audience listening is uh, they're either entrepreneurs, uh, they're interested in starting their own business, or they're looking to advance their careers. And with that comes a lot of interaction with other people. Certainly in corporate America or Wall Street, it's some difficult personalities, lots of emotions. So how do you bring radical empathy into your career, into the workplace, into business? Yeah, it's an important – so I think empathy – for me, and I was thinking about this on the way over, and um, so in it is a foundational value of mine. And I really, you know, the the statement um, there's a, a quote that I love that is attributed to Ford. Apparently, he never said it, but the the quote is is if you ask your customers what they want, uh, they'll ask for faster horses. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a shame he didn't say it, but yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's a, but um, what I love about that is you have to really put your 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 thinking. You have to see the world through the eyes of your customers in in any business, and I think that is 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 critical for one figuring out what it is that they need, not what they want, but what they need. Yeah. Uh, another uh, thought leader who I know, Vern Harnish, who has an organization called Scaling Up, he said, your customers will want you to death, but you need to give them what they need. And I love that. And so empathy, I think being able to really put yourself in their world allows you to see what it is that they need with with, with greater ease. And they'll they'll never ask for that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my my business we support consultancies and independent consultants and we allow them to head above their weight class you know because business needs heroes we we cultivate heroic teams that save the day that's what spartoy does so when my clients have a project that requires a skill that they don't have on their bench or is larger than their bench can manage they come to me and i provide that now most consultants really don't like working with recruiters because recruiters don't get how to be a consultant. They don't get it. Yeah. And it's yeah, so they provide people who have the technical skills they need but not the consulting ability. And so that is that was a really interesting realization that we had that we needed to develop systems that could consistently deliver that. But furthermore, if you if I'm working with a managing managing partner, She's making, she's billing maybe $800,000 an hour. So if I send a candidate who's not right and I waste an hour of her time, she's pissed. Yeah, yeah. she's pissed. And so one of our brand promises is, is no more shitty interviews because I know that I can't afford to waste their time. $1,000 if it's an hour interview. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. a big it, it's a big deal. 
Yeah, big opportunity cost mm -hmm. of their time. Yeah, and um, so we have to make sure that the, the candidates that we are sending them are pretty close to perfect. Like the 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 highest degree of failure that we can afford is is hey, this person is great. They're not right for the job, but I could see them being appropriate for other projects. Right. And I'm glad I met them. In exactly. Capacity. Like that's, that, yeah. that is the worst we can, we're allowed to do. Now, there is not a client who's ever told me, hey, just so you know, I bill at 800 bucks an hour. So it's, it's, it's a real problem for me if you put someone in front of me who's not right. Yeah. No one has ever said that to me. But yeah. it's my ability to stand in their world that allows me. So I think fundamentally being highly empathetic is is what what it is that we need to deliver the products and services that our our clients need but can't articulate yeah yeah no, that's it's really fascinating because uh, this is, involves empathy obviously and also the require to be strong and firm which i've experienced in my career uh as someone who's done executive coaching and all these types of coaching where you're working with someone and they clearly want something they want to continue to do what they've been doing for the last 20 years that hasn't gotten them the results that they're actually hiring you for yes and so i've had to have that empathy to figure out what do they actually need and then how do you call them out and push them and say no and speak up to help them awaken to that without the fear of they're going to leave me that, because i've enabled that yeah that's awesome i love it the, yeah. one of the 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 ways that uh, i think about that is the concept uh, between broker and agent. Mm -hmm. yeah, so uh, the show Entourage, Ari Gold, yeah. you know, he's a jerk, right? Yeah. He's, you know, he, but, and he's just, there's all these things about him, but he, he embodies agent. He doesn't care anything about other than the career being advanced. Right? Right. That's, that's, that's what he can, you know. And so when, when, when people want to interact with me as a broker, right, you know, but no, that's not what I'm looking for. Yeah, that's not who I am. I am an agent. So you have come to me because you want a better career. And that's how I'm going to interact with you. you. You've come to me because you want to upgrade your staff. And so if there's something that's, that you're asking for that's not aligned from that, as your agent, I am obliged to point that out, to right. stand for that. And you know, if I'm a broker, sure, whatever you want, I will give that to you. And so it's a it's a it, that for me it's been a really useful mnemonic to to I don't know if that's the right word but yeah, uh, it's I, a useful tool to uh, to to th consider consider what my relationship is with my constituents. Yeah, I think it's important to differentiate empathy um, and serving people from being nice oh, because yes. being nice isn't always the right answer. And I've had these clients where. I, they, I know that they don't want to be pushed or they don't want to have to get into the outside the comfort zone. But then I was losing some clients and they were hiring stronger people who would push them to that next level. And so I've had to say, okay, this discomfort of pushing them towards what they really need to hear, it doesn't feel good for them. It, do, it might not feel good for me, but I can do it empathetically in a way that serves them and pushes them to that next level. And when you have a common set of, when you know where the goals are. Yeah. Yeah. It's it becomes much easier, right? Yes, to that's a great say, point. Yeah, say like, yeah. hey, I know that this is hard, but but what you want in your heart of hearts is is to go here, yeah. and going here is not going to be easy. So this is a time where we have to just dive in. Yeah. yeah. Oh, one more thing, and then I'll yeah. give you the interview hat back, oh, which please. is interview eight. Yeah. Uh, 
the goal, like you said, the goal setting is so powerful because I, I was coaching someone, another TEDx speaker who's got his own business, and we set uh, year goals for 2020. And I literally have them on a piece of paper, and then we're doing a coaching session, and he's you know, has this tendency of trying to escape and avoid the real work, and so he'll come up with other things he wants to do. Oh, let's do this on the call today. So, and I said, well, I'm, I'm actually uh, confused because we have these goals here, and you're talking about something else. So can you help reconcile that? Can you explain to me what's going on? And that was a good way to get it back on track. I know, yeah, and, yeah. And, and particularly something like that, people yeah. are uh, – I am not doing well in what I said I want to do. So yeah. let's 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 polish the silverware. Let's do yeah. anything <laughs> other than confront the fact that the I'm real. failing in this thing that's really important to me. Yeah. You know, and that's natural and understandable. And I I can relate to that. I mean, yeah. You know, you know, how often do we do stuff that doesn't matter to you know, avoid doing the thing that's really hairy Absolutely. and hard to do that we don't want to confront? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. Good. Yeah. Okay, so let's go into radical empathy in business from a from an emotional standpoint. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've talked about um, you know family relationships with your daughter and your mother. We've talked about romantic relationships with your wife. How about a a relationship with a business partner who might be freaking out or even a client? And how do you bring empathy in there? And does radical empathy differ in personal versus business relationships? And how do you approach those types of situations? So I. Um I have a, a, a recent example of where I failed to do this that I think is great. Um, and because the, the, the recognizing that failure is, uh, was, and is, is a great example of this. So I, I had a call, uh, I'm in a, in a forum, um, of entrepreneurs and we talk every Friday morning and I presented on an issue that I'm having and I didn't get what I was looking for. And it was really, it just, it really upset me. You were looking for advice? I was, I was uh, looking for, um, uh, you know, some help. And I, we, we could be talking about 20 minutes about the issue. But yeah. bottom line, I, I didn't get what I was looking for. And yeah. I had this expectation that I'd walk out of there with this clear plan on how I was going to deal with that. And I got none of that. And I was really stressed out about it. And um, Right after that call, I went into my all hands meeting with my team, and so we're. I have a I have a I have a team of recruiters uh, in India, and we were having some productivity issues. We just weren't getting to where we needed to on a on a production standpoint, and we had evidence that you know that it was possible. We brought somebody in on the New York team who is able to basically double the workload. Uh, with additional things that were going on. So we had evidence like, hey, this level of production is totally possible and we're not getting it. Um, And that was what was on the agenda to talk about. Right. So I come into that meeting and with all this disappointment and upset and I make them feel like crap. Like I just just behave badly. And there was a guy, Avi, who's on our team. It was his last day. And here I am. I just berate everybody. I just, I was awful. I was totally awful. And um, here's the thing. So I am really concerned with this productivity issue. And I, in my feeling really bad, I created an us versus them situation in that moment. You guys need to. You're not enough. You're blah, blah, blah. As opposed to, like, 
interacting with them as, of course, they want to do a good job. Like they're 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 here. They 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 no one no one purposely you know, wants to come in and be mediocre. Everyone wants to be a hero. Mm-hmm. You know, and they just have stuff that they can't get around. And so my partner sent me a note that Saturday, like, hey, you gotta think about this. And and I was really upset and I I came back to her and I was like, well, but we have this problem and we have to deal with it. And she's like, no doubt, we need to do this. But we can't interact with them like they're bad because they're not. And it was it was like a light bulb went up. And we recognized, oh, there are some structural things with, with how we were working our process. You know, and there's a handoff point, but they don't get to see the results on the other side of that and we needed to open up that window and uh, it was fascinating it was it was fascinating so what we we had to do is we had to give them more responsibility so uh, they could see the result of their effort and be able to modify it mm. more effectively mm. and but if I had come at it from that point of command or control of of if I hadn't been able, if my partner hadn't been able to point that out, like, hey, I got it, you're upset, and you can't interact this way. And if I couldn't hear that and recognize, yeah, you know, my team, they're fucking awesome. They're like, I have this great team. Of course they want to do a good job. So let's let's look at this yeah. again. Let's, let's w- w- What's standing in the way? Because it's not desire. But when, when I need results and my clients are, you know, calling for me for results and I'm having trouble delivering results, I'm in that stress you know that 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 place, I lose my ability to see what's actually happening, yeah. and having that light go on, you know, and having an organization that's that's con- conducive of that, uh, empathy is 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 our is our greatest value. Yeah, and, and, and you had a partner who had empathy, and you also had the ability to hear that. Yeah, which is val- very valuable on both sides. And but but I want to let you know, Brenda, when she first uh, she sent me a text, you know, like I said something, and she sent a text back, like, hey. You, you, you need to check yourself. <laughs> I was pissed. Like I was so pissed. I was well, like, "What do you mean?" Like shame. I was in it. I was yeah. in it. You know? yeah. And it took me. Unfortunately, it was a text and over a weekend. You know, because yeah, I was able to to be able to think about what she said over time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's another you know, really uh, important thing is yeah. is pull yourself out. You know, I think that's a moment when you notice you're getting heated. Mm-hmm. Give yourself room to be pissed off and yes. and, and tantrum, yeah. but just don't. You don't necessarily have to do it in front of the person you're upset with, right? Uh, you know, like oh yeah, I just yeah. had someone uh, say to me how angry she is. She's in a great relationship now, and she's so angry at her ex from two years ago, and she wants to write him the nastiest letter. I said, just write it, but don't send it to him. And she said, no, I have to send it to him. I said, well, just just write it first, and then make that decision. Um, but also what I'm hearing in you is a lot of uh, forgiveness in yourself, a lot of I'm human. It's it's not okay to do this nor regularly, but it happened and that's totally fine and expected of us. Yeah. Which because if we if we beat ourselves up after we do it, we're more likely to do it again. Yeah, and we're we're more likely to defend against it. We're you know, mm-hmm. I mean the power of particularly with a teenage daughter to say, I'm sorry. Like that is that is a, it is a magical thing for her, yeah. you know, to know that she has power. Like just to be able, and for me, to be, it, it is it like it releases. Like oh, I screwed up, and I think it's it's one of the things that I've really been thinking about as leaders 
we elevate this skill of leadership, right? Mm-hmm. Like we hold it above all others. What I'm coming to realize is that I don't know if it is above all others, right? It is, it is a skill. You know, it is an attribute, it is an ability, but it's one that is useless without all of the other abilities that go along with it. Yeah, abilities that I don't have, and but I can't live without. Yeah, yeah. so for that, and, but the other side of it is we hold it up, right? There, there's an unreasonable expectation of us that we're the smartest person in the room. And so when we fail to do that, and newsflash, we're gonna, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely not the smartest person in the room. Yeah. So when I have a failing that's natural, if I hold myself up, that feeling's a big deal. Right, yeah. it is a big deal, and it's hard for me to admit it. It's it's actually it's an it's an infraction of my role as leader to mm. make a mistake. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, but if, if 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 leaders just it's it, it is it is a skill and an attribute. Yeah, my my making a mistake. It's not that much different than anybody else making a mistake, and I don't I don't need to. Yep, I, I screwed up. Yeah, I did that. I'll so, do it again. I'm going to try not to. I'm going to work on it. Yeah. Yeah, but that's promise that, you I will. Yeah, that's the yeah. attitude you want. Yeah. It's also it, it reminds me of situations that I've been in myself where I've been sometimes even going into a team call, I feel okay, but then something is coming up and then I feel that overwhelm of that stress or that anger, that frustration. And I think it's important to give all the listeners today permission to uh, take space from these situations if they can, right? Like if they're stuck with a client, all these people, maybe it's not the most appropriate thing to say, hey, we're going to put this meeting on hold. But certainly as the leader, I have that power to say uh, and to know, especially if I'm more emotionally volatile, right? Or even there's a personal life situation coming on and now I have to get right onto this team call to allow myself to excuse myself or to reschedule or to postpone 30 minutes. Yeah, or just call it, right? You know, because I think the thing that we forget is so one, our emotions are infectious. Our emotions are infectious. If I am stressed out, my team is going to be stressed out. So the power of me saying, hey, guys, I'm having a rough morning. I'm going through a rough time. You know, today is difficult for me. Is really powerful, you know, just to be able to call it, you know, like, hey, you know, I, I'm I, I'm that, you know. And so even, you know, passing off like, you know, to my partner or, you know, whatever it might be. Like, I need you to run with this because I'm going to tear somebody's head off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That, that's good. It's infectious in both directions yeah. too. You know, if yeah. you're in that positive state. And, and it, you know, we had a um, – we have a team member who's who's really good and he is always late. I'm really, really late. Yeah. And we normally, it doesn't bother us. But um, as we are upping our expectations of production, we said to him, look, you don't get to not meet targets and be late. Yeah. So if you're, you're doing what you need to do, I care less when you come in. But when you're struggling with production, you got to work on this. Now, he is one of the things we know about uh, this particular team member is he doesn't deal with criticism well. Yeah, mm-hmm. So we have to be careful with it. Yeah. And he is fiercely independent. And he reacted really badly to that statement. Now, we both knew that he was going to come back from that. We just needed to give him time, let him have his reaction. Yeah. And 
And sure enough, he came back and said, yeah, I, I, I overreacted to that. And I hear yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was having that ability to be empathetic with him and knowing a little bit about him was, was instrumental. Yeah, because that that was it was it was a non-issue. We brought something to his attention. You know, things like this. It it, it takes him about twenty four hours. Yeah, you, know, you know, to get through. Yeah, we know that. Yeah, he reacted poorly. Yeah, you know, I didn't like it. I don't like it. He came back. Yeah, you know, uh, acknowledged it. Yeah, you know, and we're good. Yeah, you know, and we're able to move past it. That's you know. great. Yeah, you know, I I think of empathy and I think about how I was as an employee before I became a leader. And I remember having a very critical boss when I worked at this hedge fund. And I remember the instances of when he gave me really nice, good feedback, which I could probably count on one hand in yeah. my three years there. And yet I still remember, I remember where I was. I remember how I read it. It was an email. What was I wearing? I was in Grand Central one time. I read this thing on my phone. And I remember how much it meant to me. And so I try to hold that empathy and when I think about my employees because it's easy as the leader to just focus on our own needs. Yeah. What, what does the client want? Am I making money? Are we productive? But then I shift back to, all right, this is a human being who might not be getting the affirmation that she could be getting from me because she is doing great work in these other areas. And so I've proactively gone out of my way to acknowledge that genuinely. And I've found that to uh, really land well on my team. It makes such a difference, and I think that that's a, a, a really interesting point too. Because I, if you have a boss who is critical, it's not by the a, way he knows he's critical, and yeah. we've joked about. Well, this, that, but so. that's the thing is, is, yeah. is but it's not about you. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you have to put up with it, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, you know, there are people who who you know it 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 you know it just washes off their back, and that's great. But yeah, I'm the type of person who 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 constant criticism is going to be a problem for yeah. now. It's not like I'm going to jump and get a new job right away. Right. You know, so for a period of time, I could say, "Okay, this is not about me; it's about them." Yeah, and yeah. I can, but I don't. I don't need to. I don't just because I can empathize. I don't need to to accept things that don't work for me, and I think yeah. that's important. And the, but the other that's thing really, too, that's right? really important. Also, yeah. in relationships too. No, yeah, you I can't. don't have to take this personally, but. Is this really, you know, for right for me? Yeah, long term doesn't need to, to to work for me. But the other yeah. thing too, I also realized, and this was a moment I had. I can't remember. Like my daughter left a carton of milk out on the uh, uh, on the table, and but what I rem and I, I remembered my mom losing her shit about me doing stuff like that, and how she interpreted it was that I don't care. Yeah. Now probably about her exactly. There's all her, sorts yeah, of things like yeah. why would you do this? But yeah. then I realized. Wow, I, as an adult, have my shit together, right? Like putting the milk back in the fridge is an instinct. I don't think about it. Yeah. And my daughter does not have that instinct. Like she's just she's not there. Like didn't even see the milk. Yeah. You know, like doesn't like it wasn't it, it it was not there for her. Um, and that was a real fascinating thing for me to realize. Like oh. Because when you work so hard to get your shit together, right, like like the, the level of discipline that I have now amazes me when I think of what I, where, who I was just 10 years ago. Yeah, it, it amazes me. But then at the same token, it would be very easy for me to say, well, why can't you do this? 
I do, I do this every day. Well, great. It took me a lifetime to get to the point where I can do that every day. Yeah. So having that understanding is really, is, is really big. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great analogy. I'll just encourage all the listeners right now to just think about where you were 10 years ago. Where did you live? What kind of stuff did you wear? What was your job? Were you in school? And just acknowledge how much you've grown from then. And also, when you meet someone, they might be that version. Exactly. And to understand that and to empathize with who they are, where they're at in life, what they're dealing with emotionally, because that'll just give you the ability to understand rather than attack or demean or hold expectations that are unreasonable for where where they're at. Yeah. Peter, this has been fantastic. Super fun. Uh, before we wrap up, what would you, what piece of one wisdom or quote would you like to impart with our audience? Um, it could be an actionable step that they could take. Uh, it could be a, a, a quote or a saying to leave them with. Um, so, of course, you say the word quote, and every quote that I possibly carry in my pocket goes out the window. But I, the one thing that I think is is really critical when it comes to, to being empathetic is recognizing physical signs of what you do when you go in the red or when you get scared. Like, how does it feel? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the – when you can recognize that, you know, like when I get angry, there's a feeling in my chest. And if I can associate that feeling in my chest with being curious, like as, a, as punctuation rather than cause to action – it makes the biggest difference. So really like like getting to know physicality, like going back when you when you have a fight or something happens, like really getting conscious of, of what that felt like in the moment is a real powerful tool. So you can start to recognize that. I start to feel like this. I know I need to slow down and I need to I need to think and I need to ask questions. Like that's the response to that as opposed to, you know, whatever it is that I'm doing. Yeah, and that I think is incredibly valuable. That's powerful. So, Peter, uh, thank you again. Where can people find you if they want to see more of your talks, your website, et cetera? So, uh, I, you know, I'm 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 uh, at heart a recruiter. Uh, so, LinkedIn is a great uh, a great place for me. Peter Laughter. There's not many of us on the planet with that name, um, and uh, and our website, uh, spartoigroup.com. S P A R T O I. Yep. Yeah. And then for your TED Talk, if people want to watch, I would just go into YouTube and do Peter Laughter TED or Radical, Radical Empathy. Empathy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Either, either of those will, will, will come to play. Awesome. Well, Peter, yeah. thanks again for coming on. Uh, it was a pleasure. Really, really. It was a great, a lot of fun. Great. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. If it's your first time here, please make sure to subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or in Spotify. Also, please leave us a rating or written review. This helps others learn about the show and spread the word to new and more people. Lastly, if you're looking to take your personal life, business, or career to the next level and you want access to me as well as my community of like-minded people, head over to courses.brendanhburns.com and join us in Mastery Academy, my membership site that comes with online course content as well as live coaching calls every two weeks hosted by me personally. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.